this is not right. Like it can't be normal that everybody that I'm helping in a fitting room, when I say everyone, I mean a hundred percent of the people that I am helping in the fitting room have some sort of body dysmorphia, negative self-talk, negative opinion about something on their body. La 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 the things you want to do. La 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 the things you want to do. Hi everyone. I'm Liz Sumner and this is I always wanted to the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? Someday I will heed the call and sail off into the blue. Someday I will bag it all and do the things I want to do. La 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 the things you want to do. La 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 the things you want to do. Hi everyone. Because this is audio, I could pretend that I'm always dressed impeccably and everyone admires my flair for fashion. Italians would call me a bella figura. Full disclosure, this is not the case. I care more for comfort than for style. So when I invited my guest, Nick Hill, to talk about fashion design, I was truly ignorant at the start and absolutely fascinated to learn about the process. Nick has a combination of creativity, business savvy, and sensitivity to clients' needs that impressed me greatly. She recognized that while school could teach her the art of design, she needed real-world experience to take her designs to the masses. I really loved hearing her explain how a garment goes from idea in her head to the customer's closet. And the other element that really struck me in our conversation was how Nick Hill Clothing recognizes the tender feelings women have about their bodies when they put on a bathing suit. I purposely shared this episode at this time of year when many of us are resolving to eat better and exercise more. Nick's philosophy of helping women love themselves as they are in the skin they're in is a breath of fresh air. I hope you agree. Here's the interview. My guest today is Nick Hill. She's the founder and creative director of New York's award-winning swimwear, clothing, and activewear brand, Nick Hill Clothing. Nick uses her brand to help women love themselves as they are in the skin they're in. Welcome, Nick. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. So tell me how you got interested in fashion design. I've always loved clothes. I can't remember like, you know, so many little girls and young women and young boys and just growing up. Um, I've always just loved clothes. And I think uh, it started with like paper dolls. I don't know if anyone ever had paper dolls, but I used to have like this really cool collection of paper dolls that had these really awesome little outfits. And I, I think that's probably the first time I became aware of clothes was through my paper dolls. And uh, that kind of transitioned to my Barbie dolls. And then my grandmother was a seamstress and my other grandmother was a fashion designer herself. And um, sewing was kind of always in the background. And I can remember asking my grandmother, who was a seamstress, to teach me how to sew. And 
she taught me how to hand embroider and how to do um, basically needlepoint um, when I was like eight years old. And I still know how to do it very well. She taught me little things. She didn't teach me a ton, uh, mm. regretfully, but I, I learned a few things from her that I still have. And right around that time, I got my first sewing machine. And I think that kind of just sparked the interest, but it wasn't so obvious that this would be what I would evolve into. Uh, it was more of just, you know, something that a little kid did and uh, the love for clothes were there, like through my own wardrobe or through wardrobes of the women in my life, my mom, my grandmother, I, I was very observant to what they were wearing and what they had on, but didn't know how to articulate that interest. You know, I didn't even know that there was a thing called a fashion designer. I just, you know, loved clothes and thought it was something a little frivolous at the time. And, you know, I would go on through high school and, and college and things like that. And I even went to school for something completely different um, and got a degree in it. And then on my way to graduate school, I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. And my mom said, well, you've always loved fashion. Why don't you do something with that? And I think that was the first time that I really realized that maybe there is more to this and maybe I can do something with it other than just love it from afar. And I started to research uh, fashion design schools and I found a good one and um, went back to school again and ended up getting a second bachelor's degree, this time in fashion design. And that was kind of the beginning of the the end, so to speak. And that would set me on a course of fashion that I never looked back from. So were you making your own clothes when you were young? Not really. My sewing wasn't really good. The only thing I knew how to do like okay or pretty good was mm -hmm. the needlepoint, the, the hand embroidery. I didn't start making my own clothes until design school. So once I properly knew how to I've never been much of a home, uh, someone who uses home mm -hmm. patterns. I've always made my patterns. So once I learned how to make patterns, I'd say that that's when I started sewing for myself. And I can remember when I was in design school and my girlfriends and I would go out you know, to clubs or to parties or whatever. I, I don't know where I got the time, but I was always whipping up a top, a dress, a you know, an, an outfit to, to wear. I was always wearing something that I made. And, and that was, that was, I think the beginning of me like wearing my own clothes. Sadly, I don't have that sort of time anymore. So I don't get to whip up things as quickly and easily as I would like, uh, very sadly, but I do wear like my, my pieces that are, you know, selling on the website or that are available for wholesale. I do wear those, but it just takes much longer between creating it and producing it before I'm able to wear it. But it's, it's always a very prideful moment. And was there a transition between designing for yourself and designing for other people? Or were you always interested in designing for different bodies? There definitely is a transition. Um, school teaches people how the art of design and it kind of stops there. You don't really learn how to take that design to the masses, which I always found was very interesting because most designers in design school usually start out wanting to work for themselves. Where they end up 
you know, always is life might take them down a different path. But at their core, if you ask most fashion design students, most of them want to work for themselves at some point along the way. For me, I would say the transition came, I, like so many, wanted to work for myself too. And as I thought about what that would look like and how I would get from point A to point B, I knew that there was a massive gap. Like there was so much that I didn't know, even though I had gone to school. Uh, So I thought the best way to learn it would just be to work in the industry. So um, while I was in design school, I had an internship. And when I graduated, maybe a year after I graduated, I got a job as an apprentice to a designer in New York City. And then um, I was with her for about a year, year and a half. And she had a layoff and I left her and I went to work for another designer Um, And that designer sadly had to file bankruptcy and they went out of business. And then I left them and wound up at my my last professional place before I started mine. And I was there for about six years. And it was during that, I'll call it a matriculation for lack of a better word, because it did feel like school. And I did learn so much. And especially because I was I was not working in the capacity of fashion design mm-hmm. at those jobs. Uh, I didn't think it made sense because I already knew the fashion mm-hmm. design mm-hmm. part of it, right? Like I just mm-hmm. went to school for that. So I didn't think it made sense to to do what I already knew how to do. I thought it would make more sense to do something I didn't know how to do so that when I ultimately had my own business, I was indeed filling in that gap and making the best use of the time that I, and the exposure um, to these great minds that I had. So I worked in production, which for um, any product-based business, this is where you're making the product. So the designer creates it, but production makes it and makes more than one of it. And during my, my fashion industry matriculation, I worked in production for these companies And it was my opinion and belief that that was what filled in the gap and what taught me how to make multiples. So where design school taught me how to make an outfit for myself to go to a party, working for these companies taught me how to make multiple units to put on racks Uh of a store. So tell me what is involved in production in the fashion industry? What are the steps that you go through? Wow. Um, so I, I think all design starts with a sketch. It's, you're inspired by something. Uh, someone is inspired by something. And they sketch it out, which is the most common way to communicate that thought visually. Um, and then once you sketch it out, some people will buy fabric first. Uh, so they'll sketch, then they'll buy fabric. I do it a little backwards. I sketch and then I make the pattern. And then I buy my fabric. The more common way is to sketch by fabric, make your pattern. After you make your pattern, from there you begin to make a sample. You make a first sample to, to see. It's basically a rough draft. So uh, a writer you know, outlines their story and develops their characters. A designer sketches, makes a pattern, finds their fabric, and makes a sample. And that sample, that first sample is usually never correct. There's usually some sort of revision that has to happen 
And it's either in the construction or in the pattern making or both, because it's the first time you're tangibly seeing it, you know, in a tactile way where you can touch it. So sometimes, you know, what the brain gives you, you're like, oh, wait, maybe my zipper needs to be longer, or maybe I need to use a different fabric. This fabric isn't working, or maybe it should have buttons instead of a zipper. You, you kind of work out all of the the things that you didn't know on that first sample. And if needed, you'll revise your pattern again. Um, most of the time, you probably will need a second pattern revision. Sometimes you'll need a third pattern revision. After you revise the pattern, you make a new sample each time. It can get costly because for it's my opinion, for the best fit and the best end product, you should be working with the material that the finished mm -hmm. garment will be in. So I like silk, for example. So I just started a collection of, of resort wear and clothing. But what that means is when I'm sampling, I'm also sampling, while I'm making my mistakes, <laughs> I'm still working in silk, which is much more expensive than a lesser expensive product. But the finished garment is always better for it. So um, it's just, you know, a business expense at that point. You do the amount of iterations that you need until the, the product is perfect you deter or as perfect as can be during that process, you'll determine, is this something that's even mm -hmm. achievable? Was my idea even something that can be made? You know, sometimes you can have a very grandiose idea that looks beautiful on paper, but when it comes to realizing it in real life, it's just not practical to make for whatever reason. So you'll do all of that during the development process You'll establish what trims you're going to use. You'll source these trims. You'll source the fabric and start to also work on the financials of the garment as well. So, okay, great. I can make it, but is it affordable to make? Can I make a profit off of this garment when I sell it retail? These are all questions that you're thinking of during the development process. You'll One should test the garment. They should wear it. They should, whatever the consumer would be doing in the garment, the, uh, you should be testing it in that manner so that you know that you're creating a quality piece. So I make a lot of swimwear. That means that, you know, these pieces should be worn in a pool. How do they stand up in chlorine? How do they wear at the beach? Can you see through it when it's wet? Really just researching and developing a sound product, which can take months, uh, which is why fashion usually is a, a few mm -hmm. months ahead of when the season is that they'll be released because you have to develop, you know, some people are developing 30 new styles. So that means that all 30 of those styles have to go through mm -hmm. that same development process. I don't develop quite so many because I'm a small independent brand. So I'm right around maybe eight to 12, just depending. As, and that takes, you know, roughly six to eight months to do for all of them. And once you get that pattern and that sample the way that you intended it to be, then uh, it's ready to for mass production. So now you can finally start to pass it off to someone else so that more things can happen to it. You'll grade your pattern, which when you make a pattern, you make it in one size. So my sample size is a medium. I then, when, when my pattern is perfect and my sample is perfect, I then take it to my pattern grader 
and they make the small, the large, the extra large, the 2X, they make all the other sizes where I made just the one. And um, from and I pass the sample with them so that they can see what the garment should look like. And they make all the sizes. They can digitize it and give it to me in a compressed file that I can then email to my factory. Or they can make a flat pattern of it with like old school paper. Just, you know, depends on what the capabilities are that I need for the next rung of the ladder. And then once I get my graded pattern back and my original sample and my original pattern, I can then pass it off to the factory and the factory can then begin to make the amount of units that I have requested them to. That's at my discretion. So if I want them to make 50 total units, I tell them how many of each size I want them to make. And I buy the fabric and I give them the fabric. I buy all the trims that I've identified from sampling. And I, I send them everything that they need in order to make the finished garment. They make the finished garment and hopefully there's no problems. There's usually a problem <laughs> that varies, right? Uh, there, there can be all types of problems in, during that part of the process once the factory has it. And depending on the factory that you're working with, anywhere from 30 to 90 days later, you have the amount of garments that you requested them to make. And they either ship them to you. So if I'm selling online, my factory will ship them back to me and I'll house that inventory and then I'll sell it to retail customers when they buy it on my website. And if it's for a, a wholesale order, like I'm sending it to a store, I would have the factory pack it up and ship it directly to the store. Wow, thank you. That was everything I wanted to know, or at least it was it was as detailed as I as I wanted it. I appreciate that. We'll have more with Nick Hill about how she built her clothing brand after the break. So I would think that there would be some major differences in how a garment looks going from medium to small and medium to, to large and extra large. What kinds of things show up in those differences and how do you account for them and make it look great on all the different sizes? It's a really good question. I think within a certain range, there's not too much of a difference because the the measurement of the difference isn't that ma as large as we would think. So the term for that is called your grade rules. So when you take it to your pattern, to your pattern maker, they'll ask you, what are your grade rules? And what they're asking you is what measurement amount is the difference between your small and your medium, between your medium and your large, between your large and your extra large. And most pattern graders will, if it's alphanumeric, they'll grade within a range of four to five sizes, maybe six. They don't like to stretch too far out beyond that because then that's where it starts to do what you're asking, which is change the shape and change the proportion of the pattern to where the fit is now something completely different than what you intended it to be. So if one is making, let's say, extra small through extra large, one pattern will be enough. If someone was making extra small to 10X, <laughs> let's say, you're, if you had a, a pattern grader who knows what they're doing, 
they'll probably ask you for more than one sample size. So in that case, maybe you would drop off two patterns or three patterns. And that might look like dropping off a size small, a size extra large, and maybe a size 4X. So that as they stretch the measurements, the measurements are staying true to what the original shape was intended to be. Because my size range isn't going up as high as a 10X, I'm still able to bring them just one pattern. However, as I dive down the rabbit hole of plus size pieces, um, this was a conversation my pattern maker and I had earlier this year. I have to bring them two sample sizes now in order for them to be able to grade the larger sizes because they're concerned that the the fit and the shape would be compromised with just the one. I get it. The, the number of things that you need to be smart about in in that business is enormous. I can't imagine that everybody who likes fashion design and wants to have their own business wants to to learn about all of the pieces that one would have to to do in order to have one's own business. Do, do you like all of them? Do you have any kind of particular favorite pieces of what it takes to run a brand? I I love it all. I love the production. I love the product development. I love the design. I love thinking critically and analytically and uh, at its core, it's a lot of problem solving. Uh, and I'm really good at that. So I, I like it. And it's kind of like a really weird, interesting puzzle to try to get all these things to fit together to make this this item. So we've talked a lot about the business side of this. Tell me how you chose to design the kind of fashion that you do and tell me more about the helping women love themselves as they are. Sure. So um, I, my family's from Jamaica and I grew up in Florida and then I worked for an amazing designer, uh, Norma Kamali, and she started her business with swimwear and I grew up on the beach and at the pool just because, you know, I'm a first generation uh, American whose parents are from an island surrounded by water in the in the Caribbean. <laughs> so swimwear is is very naturally uh, a part of my life. I had my first I can't think of a time where I've never had a swimsuit. Um as long as I I mean I found pictures of me the other day at like 2 3 years old in a little <laughs> bikini. Um you know like I've always had swimwear and it so normal to me. And when I moved to New York and I went to the beach for the first time in New York, it was really interesting because I would see these really fashionable women, you know, on Fifth Avenue and Madison Avenue, and they're, they're, they're stunning. And then when I would go to the beach, I'm imagining these are some of the same women. The swimwear did not reflect what I was seeing on Madison Avenue. It was sad. Like, that's the best way to describe it. It was just sad. And I just kept thinking to myself, why do you look amazing on the street? But then at the beach, your swimwear is, and by now I hadn't yet started designing swimwear. I was just hyper aware of it. And I'm wondering, you know, these, these pieces are, 
not fitting properly, their poor quality. Some of them were, you could tell, just very old and needed to be taken out to pasture. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And just not flattering the, the, the body that it was on. And I think that was probably the first time that I was like, oh, let me like let me start with swimwear. It's something that I know Norma did it. I can just kind of take a, a page out of her playbook and and maybe follow that same trajectory, hopefully, right? And that was kind of why I started with with swimwear. And then I truly began to love it. It's it's a good product to start with because the fabric is expensive, but you don't need a lot of it. So it's it's also good for that reason. You just get a little bit more consumption per yard than you would with making pants or a jacket or something that's larger. The tricky part though is swimwear is more technical. So you have to really understand the 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 body that it's being fitted on and um, how it should fit in order to make it properly. That's how I got into swimwear. And then it naturally expanded into resort wear because, you know, people don't just wear swimsuits. They wear things to cover them up. They wear little dresses. They wear cute little outfits. Maybe they're not going to the pool at all, but they want to feel like they're, they're dressed for the moment. And uh, that's kind of how I got into, into that product category. In terms of making or wanting women to feel beautiful while they're wearing those products, that was very natural. When I first started the brand, I was doing a lot of pop-ups and trunk shows and working face-to-face with the consumer. And one thing I kept getting over and over and over again was just really negative self-talk about one's physical appearance. And what's interesting is when I was in college or shortly after college, I was managing a, or design school, I was managing a swimsuit shop and I started noticing the negative self-talk there, but didn't really pay much attention to it. Fast forward to when I have my own business and I'm doing these pop-ups and these trunk shows, it pops up again. And I hear this negative self-talk again. What's interesting about that is I worked in retail all through college of some way, When I was working with clothes, I didn't really hear the negative self-talk as much as I heard it when I was working with swimwear. So it was my, I I took that to be, because clothes kind of, we can hide behind it. It didn't matter if, you know, someone thought negatively about their their C-section scar or their mastectomy scar or their cellulite or their stretch marks or, you know, the skin discoloration, whatever was going on. It didn't really matter with clothes because naturally people pick pieces that hide the things that they want to hide. But with swimwear, that becomes profoundly more difficult. It's, it's, it's much more difficult to hide your body if there's something that you don't like. And what I found with, when helping women with swimwear, whether it was at the swimsuit shop that I was managing in college or with my own product, women would always have a confession with me Mm -hmm of the thing they hated about their body, and then they would try the swimsuit on. So as we're walking to the fitting room and we're talking, I'm hearing them say, "Ah, I'm just so fat, just ignore my cellulite. Or I, you know, if I look fat in this, I need you to tell me, okay, don't let me get this. If I look fat, I need you to be honest with me. Or, you know, I, I had breast cancer and I had my breasts removed and I haven't had 
a, a surgery to, to augment them yet. So just ignore that. It's not going to fit like this. I'm having my surgery next week or, 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 or like, there's literally nothing that I haven't heard or seen, uh, in that, in that space. And at first, once it was my own product, I was a little off put by it and I didn't really know how to react to it. And at the time, my husband was my fiance and he said to me, well, just, you know, dive into that, you know, embrace that and talk about it, embrace it. And if everybody is addressing it, then maybe you need to address it as well. And that's the beginning of talking about it and just trying to build a community around it so that people understand all of those things that everybody said to me is a thousand percent normal. Because while you, the person trying the swimsuit on, don't know what other women are saying, I do. And I can tell you (laughs) that regardless of the age, the race, the socioeconomic status, the religion, where they're from, nationality, there's when all those things are stripped away, at its core, people who identify as women all have some sort of insecurity that they own. And I just want to bring light to that and tell everyone all of those things are normal. Wow, wow that's really moving. So, so how does Nick Hill Clothing address that? How would I see it as a, as a customer? Great question. You see it in the messaging. You see it in the way that we speak to you, whether you're on our website, nickhill.com, or on our Instagram page at Nick Hill Clothing. You see it in the messaging. There's, there's positive body image quotes on the website. There's positive quotes on the Instagram. We, we just address it. We say it. We tell you it's normal. And then we show you. We try to not edit the pictures to remove stretch marks, cellulite, any sort of skin. I call them normalities mm-hmm. because whatever skin does is normal to the human body. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're abnormal. So whether that's pimples or uh, vitiligo or, you know, dark spots, whatever it is, we don't, we don't remove those. Uh, the, the only way we edit our images is with lighting. Sometimes the, pic- the, the lighting will be dark. So we actually brighten it so that you can see those normalities more. And saturation. Uh, sometimes like for the, a red swimsuit, maybe it's not quite as red as I want it to be in the picture. So I increase the saturation a little bit so that the colors pop just a little bit more. But other than that, we don't do any airbrushing or slimming down of the models or removing natural things that we would see on anyone's skin in person. The models don't even wear a ton of makeup because it's, it, it's for a, you know, a swimsuit. So we don't really wear a ton of makeup when we're at the beach. We try to just be as natural as possible with the imagery that we're showing to people. We, we try to be clear that we're not using a ton of filters. We try to speak to our customers in a loving way so that they can begin to speak to themselves in that way. I wrote a a 30 day living beautifully challenge to start to work and address on some of the insecurities that we all have. I I wrote a mindfulness journal so that um, someone can begin to process the thoughts that they have and 
And both the journal and the challenge are free. Anybody can sign up at any time and, and get those tools as a way to begin to, to work on their self-talk and, and loving themselves more. And I think this is a great place to, to talk about. My first degree is in psychology. So as I was hearing these things, I'm, I'm recognizing that th- this is not right. Like the, it, it can't be normal that everybody that I'm helping in a fitting room it has some everybody like I'm when I say everyone, I mean, a hundred percent of the people that I am helping in the fitting room have some sort of body dysmorphia, negative self-talk, negative opinion about something on their body. And what I usually try to communicate, whether it's on the website face to face or on our Instagram channel or even in the the challenge or the journal is you know, who cares? You, 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 you're here, you're beautiful, despite what you think. And the individual often magnifies those things more than anybody else. You know, the, the world doesn't see it quite as, as center stage as, as we do. And oftentimes when we bring attention to it, that's when it becomes obvious to the world. But if you just, you know, put your swimsuit on that you feel comfortable in and fits you properly, you're probably going to look amazing more so than what you think you do. That is really inspiring. And I will make sure to put uh, instructions uh, on how to get the journal and the challenge in the show notes. Thank you. You're, you're changing the world. This is, this is very cool stuff. Oh, thanks. So let's turn it to advice for people who are listening if they happen to have always wanted to design something what are some resources that you can recommend maybe people not necessarily uh, who wanted to go to school but some early steps for people who just love fashion and maybe want to take it to the next level so the cool thing about the the time that we're all living in right now is gone are the days where you actually have to go to design school to be a designer. You There's a lot of information out there. And I think the benefit, I'm not saying not to go to design school. I think the benefit of it is that it organizes the process for you and teaches you the structure with which to begin to develop an idea. That said, I think there's a lot of resources out there that someone can take advantage of if design school isn't an option for them because design school is expensive. There's tons of videos that you can see with people doing things on YouTube. Um, Some of the more prestigious design schools have individual courses that you can take that don't go towards a degree. If you have a um, a haberdashery store or a trim store or a fabric store in your community, sometimes they offer sewing classes. So you can, you know, learn to sew with the help of a guided professional. Sometimes you ha- I've seen places online that can teach you how to sew or teach you how to make patterns. So there's resources out there if you look. I actually, during the the pandemic last year, 
I actually wrote a course to teach people how to do product development and production and how to consistently make quality goods season after season. Uh, so I my program picks up from where all of those other things would kind of leave off. If you remember, we were talking about when I went to design school, I started working for these companies to bridge the gap between what I learned in school and what I needed for my business. And the program that I created is kind of that gap. It's teaching you a lot of the things that I learned while I was working at, at those great companies in New York City. So there's there are tools nowadays for someone to be able to piece together to begin to go down that road of being a designer or having a brand and and really making, you know, great pieces. Not everyone goes to design school. You'll still have to invest, just not a ton that you like you would at design school. And how can people find your course? Ah, good, great question. Uh, the course is at nickhillfashionuniversity.com. Brilliant. I'll put the link to that. Thank you. Are you open to people contacting you for advice? Sure, absolutely. Um, you can email me at info at nickhill.com. Great. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion? Just, you know, love yourself, have grace with yourself, be patient with yourself in all matters. So whether that's your appearance and how you feel about your body, just love yourself and have patience. If that's with starting a business and feeling frustrated because things aren't going your way every day, just love yourself and have patience with yourself. And somehow those two pieces of ingredients just allow us to, to become who we're supposed to be. Brilliant. Thank you so much. You're welcome. My thanks to Nick Hill. You can find out more about Nick Hill clothing and links to the free gifts she mentioned in the show notes. I had so many questions of Nick, there wasn't time for it all. But you can hear more of our conversation as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash alwayswanted. I'm grateful for your support of all kinds, sharing with your friends, giving me feedback, and leaving reviews. I invite everyone to write and tell me what you've always wanted to try. I'm Liz Sumner, reminding you to be bold. And thanks for listening.